morning. One of the exciting things that happened in VBS this, this past week, uh, every year in VBS we do a, an offering for the kids, and it's kind of an offering challenge, boys versus girls or something, and whoever gives the most, and somebody gets wet or their head shaved or something like that. And, and, and we've done that year after year after year, and we always give 100% of the money that comes in for VBS from, from the kids, we put that straight towards a mission project. And this year, because we, we together were working on a, an, uh, uh, an underwear drive for Inspiration Ministries, we decided that for VBS, we were going to do Fundy the Undies. <laughs> and I didn't go back and... Um, I didn't go back and like look at VBS offerings for the past 20 years or anything, but I'm pretty sure it was the biggest ever, 1449. Wow. Wow. Like $1,449. Wow. Way to go kids, and way to go mom and dad who funded the kids so that they could fund the, fund the undies. Uh, so, when all that came in, we made a pretty large order. It's the, uh, we probably bought the most underwear we've ever bought ever. <laughs> That'll last, last a few, few lifetimes. Uh, but but, but it, it, that, that, that meant what, um, what Inspiration Ministries was asking. So later this week, we're going to be taking over a whole lot of underwear, undergarments to Inspiration Ministries. Well, I'll be excited to show some pictures uh, to you next week. Not, come on. <laughs> On. You know what I mean. I'm going to show pictures of the underwear being delivered, not being worn. Come on, you people. My word. Welcome, everyone here in the room. Welcome, everyone watching online. I'm so glad that you chose to worship with us uh, today. Is Jenna Goler in the house? I think Jenna, Jenna, would you stand up? Jenna Goler is a new member of our church. Would you put your hands together? Welcome, Jenna Goler. Jenna, we're glad to have you. Everyone that, that, that considers New Hope their home, you're a member, you're an associate member, you're a part, uh, but Jenna has now become a legal member, and we're glad to have her. Um, okay, we are in a series called The Place of Grace. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to 2 Samuel 9. I'm going to be telling the story from 2 Samuel chapter 9. And today, we're going to talk about the, the place of grace as the table of the king. We can learn a lot from the stories of this Bible when we jump into them. You know, we, we see ourselves in the, in the Old Testament, there's story after story that's told. And you can see that as, you know, make-believe stories. Or you can put yourself in there and see, it, see yourself in the story. If God did it then, then he could do it with me now. If he did it then, he could do it now. So we're going to look at a, a story, and I'm going to encourage us. We're going to hop into the story. Like, phew. We're, we're going to jump into it, and we're going to become the story of this boy. There's a story in, in 2 Samuel chapter 9 of, of a boy. Um, he was the son of a prince. Things were going great for him. Life was good. He was this little boy. And he was, I mean, he was the son of a prince. One day he was going to become the king of Israel. And, and, and he had everything he ever wanted. He was royalty. Things was going great for this kid. 
until his father Jonathan and Grandpa Saul, Grandpa King Saul, died. They were killed by the Philistines. And, and in 2 Samuel chapter 4, I'll just read this verse quick. 2 Samuel chapter 4, it says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five, and here's the backstory. He was five years old when news about Saul and Jonathan dying came from Jezreel. His nurse picked him up and fled. But as she hurried to leave, in the panic, he fell and became disabled. His name was Mephibosheth. This is a time where I would say, if I wanted to be mean, I'd say, turn to the person next to you and say, Mephibosheth, but I, I, I like you, so I won't make you say that word. <laughs> Life was going great for Mephibosheth, and then somebody else tripped, and his life was never the same. He was dropped. He was dropped. Maybe you've been dropped today. Today, I'm going to give you a chance to get back up. If you've been dropped in life, maybe you, you've become discouraged. Maybe it was a bad break. Maybe you had a, a, a job fire you. Maybe there was a, a relationship issue. Maybe it was your own bad decisions. Maybe somebody else's bad decisions. You've been dropped. Listen, you didn't go down alone, and you're not going to come back up alone. You're going to come back. You went down. God was with you then. And you're going to come back up with the king. Today, I'm going to give you a chance to get back up and come home to the table of the, of the king. You didn't go down by yourself. You won't come up by yourself. We're also called to share grace. This story is a, is a great story of grace and mercy being shared with another we're called to do that today, and today I'm going to give you a chance to ask God to help you be a grace giver. All right, so uh, in our story, Mephibosheth is, is lame. He, he can't walk. He goes his whole life unable to walk in both feet, and, and David, King David, becomes anointed as king, and he becomes installed as king. And what's a king going to do to the previous, um, what do you call it? the previous generation, the previous royalty. He's going to eliminate his competition. That was just common, that was common knowledge. If the new king comes up, he's going to make sure that anyone related to the old king is wiped out, gone. Otherwise, they would become a threat to his own uh, kingship. But check this out. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verses 3 and 4. The king asked, this is King David. David asked, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king. See, when I say Ziba, don't think Ziba David. <laughs> Ziba David. Don't th thank you. My wife is correcting me because she likes NCIS. This is Ziba. This was, Ziba was Mephibosheth's, um, or he was Saul's uh, uh, guardian over all of Saul's stuff. So Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He's lame and He's lame in both feet. Don't waste your time with him. He's lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is in Lodabar. Once royalty, now a pauper. Once living in Jerusalem, now living in Lodabar. Lodabar means, the name of the place means no pasture. Nothing here. Middle of nowhere. Losers, Losersville, maybe. And he was stripped of everything. This kid had everything. And now he's got 
nothing. He's living with somebody else because he can't even have his own house. No servants, no one to help him. And Ziba says, don't waste your time on him. He's, he's lame, on, lame in both feet. Here's number one. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Dad, I know you wanted me to talk about the place of grace, but uh, number one, we start at the place of disgrace. We start at the place of disgrace. Mephibosheth went from palace to podunk. Living in disgrace, nothing. And if we hop into the story and become Mephibosheth in the story, we realize we have to start at the place of disgrace. We have to realize where we really are, the truth about ourselves. One of the things that I did, I've lost some weight this past year. One of the things that I had to do to help me lose weight was face the truth about myself every single day, weigh myself. Because then I see the truth. I can't ignore it. That's bad advice for some people, but that was good for me. I had to, we have to do that, church. Face the truth about ourselves. We start at the place of disgrace. Paul was writing to some Jews in, in the book of Romans. Paul wrote to some Jews who believed that they had some special privileges because they were Jewish. They, they had a status just because of mom and dad. They had the status that they deserved something extra special. And... And Paul had to kind of set the record straight. Here we are in Romans chapter 3. Paul says, This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, you won't cry out, save me, unless you realize you're drowning. You won't cry out, help, unless you realize you need some. Most of us in this room or or, uh, worshiping online with us today, uh, we're not Jews. It means we're Gentiles. So we we don't fit in exactly with that, um, that Romans verse, but we do in that we all have fallen short. We have the same idea, though. We, we, We... I think identify with the Jews that thought we had some special privilege. I think too many of us approach God believing we start at a great place. Us Americans are very individualistic, right? Like, we want to be independent. I like to be, as a Christian, I like to be dependent. We're good enough to have a relationship with God. Our parents were good enough so that, you know, that, that because, because of what my parents did, I'm going to get into heaven. That's not, that's not how it works. I deserve to be happy. I de- God wants me to be comfortable. No, he doesn't. He doesn't want you comfortable. He wants you fruitful. Yes. I, I gave in the offering. I'm faithful in giving in the offering. So, therefore... Why would, I, why would I possibly lose my job? I've read my Bible double this month from last month. Twice. Once, double. I've read my Bible double this month from last month. So why does this bad thing happen to me? I did this, so why doesn't it get fixed? 
It's not how it works, church. What do we deserve? Well, if you're human, then you have a sinful nature. And you deserve hell. All have fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the penalty for that sin is death. We deserve hell. It's not what we get, but it's what we deserve. And if we don't realize that, we won't be thankful for what we get. You cannot receive what God has for you until you realize the reality about yourself. You deserve nothing. Every one of us in this room, without question, have been dropped. Because you're humans, me too, we've been dropped. We can jump into the story of Mephibosheth. We've been dropped by the fall, the fall of humans. We were born with a sinful nature. If that's the only way that you've ever been dropped, Praise the Lord. Many of us have been dropped other places. We were disappointed. We were let down. We were betrayed. We were hurt. And when we can identify with the fact that we were dropped, we start at the place of disgrace. Because when we start there, we can be thankful for what comes. And praise the Lord, more is coming. Here's number two. You can write this down. Number two, the king is looking for you. The king is looking for you. And if you can't get there on your own, he'll send somebody to pick you up. He's looking for you right where you are. He knows where you are. He knows you're in Lodabar. No pasture, nothing here, Losersville. He knows that. He knows where we are. And he comes. Romans 5.8 says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing full well our state, he came for us. And John 4.23 says, the father is seeking worshipers. Jesus, in fact, tells a story of a shepherd who had a hundred sheep. And, and one sheep went off and got lost. And he counted the sheep, and he's 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Oh, boy. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 99. And he gets his other shepherd buddies, and he says, can, can you keep an eye on mine? And he goes off. He leaves his 99 to find the one. The king is looking for you. And in fact, when he does that, there's a, there's a verse we're going to look at here uh, in Luke. I think, is there a Luke, uh, Luke 15, 17? Yeah, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need to repent. You're not too bad. You're not too betrayed. It's not over for you. You're not done. You've been dropped. You had a bad break, bad luck, bad job, bad reputation. You were dropped by your own decisions. You were dropped by the decisions of somebody else. Jesus is looking for you. This week in the Tokyo Olympics, Simone Biles, the greatest uh, gymnast of all time, had a mental breakdown and dropped. And she said, the outpouring of love and support, this is her on Twitter, the outpouring of love and support I've received has made me realize I'm more than my accomplishments in gymnastics, which I never really believed before. 
the core of her problem was she didn't know who she was. You may be living in Lodabar. Nothing. No pasture. The place of disgrace. You may be living in Lodabar, but you still have royal blood. You still don't. If you realize who you are, you realize that there's value in you. Mephibosheth was in Lodabar, but he was still royalty, and the king was looking for him. So David, in this story, David had Mephibosheth carried. He sent Ziba, presumably, and some other officials to Lodabar. Can you imagine these officials showing up in Lodabar? They're all dressed up in whatever they, they wear. You know, you know, they're officials. And they come and, like, all these people are going to be like, whoa, we've got some officials in town. And he knocks on the, the house where Mephibosheth is staying and He has nothing. Mephibosheth doesn't have anything. He doesn't even have his own house. He's got to stay with somebody else. All of his glory has been stripped of him. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have an income. So I imagine his hair might have been dirty. Might not have been taking care of himself. And in walks these king's officials, and they say, are you the grandson of the king's opponent, Saul? Oh, boy. (laughs) This is it. Off with his head. And he says, I, I can't even walk. I can't walk. What am I going to do? And they said, oh, don't worry about it. The king wants us to carry you. Oh, boy. The king's really after me now. And he gets there. He, he comes. Uh, so Mephibosheth showed up. And, and we know he was terrified because uh, when, when he got there, King David said, Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth said, I'm at your service, king. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, it picks up. Don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Not only that, he went on and he says, all the land that Saul had now is going to belong to you. And Ziba and his whole family is going to be your servants. They're going to work the land because Ziba knows how to work it the best. And all the profit that comes is going to be Mephibosheth's. All that was taken from him, restored. And so Mephibosheth, according to the Bible, Mephibosheth ate at the king's table like one of the king's sons. Like, like, like you think of the kingdom of David, there's David there. Who else would have been at that table? Solomon, King Solomon. I mean, he wasn't, he was Prince Solomon then, I guess. Solomon was there. And right next to Solomon was Mephibosheth. He sat at the king's table like one of the king's sons. Here's number three. God's grace restores. God's grace restores. Mephibosheth went from living to... Mephibosheth went to Podunk to palace. Why? Because his location did not determine his identity. He was in Lodabar, no place, Losersville, the place of disgrace. But he had still, he had royal blood. And the king restored his honor and esteem. God does this with us as well. God brings us to his table so we can be one of his sons. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give us what we deserve? Oh, One of the things I say with, with my kids, you know, if you've ever had kids, I'm sure you've heard, that's not fair. Any, anytime, 
Anytime I, I, I say TV off or whatever, it's, that's not fair. If you want fair, I mean, we don't even have to have a TV. People grew up for thousands of years without one. If you want fair, no, fair, if you want fair, it's going to be a whole lot harder for you. I'm so glad that God doesn't give me what I deserve. But God includes us. So if we hop into the story of Mephibosheth, we're in the place of disgrace. The king's looking for us, and God's grace restores us so we can sit at the table like one of the king's sons. Romans chapter 8 says, The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's what? Children. <clears throat> we are God's children. Thank you. We are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. 1 Peter 2.10, Once you were not a people. But now you're a people of God. Once you had not received the king, I'm sorry, once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Notice, mercy is something that has to be received. It's not automatic. We are not automatically carried to the cable. We had to receive it. We had to receive it. The Bible has some other stories of people when faced with something they didn't want to do, they wound up killing themselves. Mephibosheth could have but he allowed the king to carry him. He allowed the king to carry him. If you're a Christian, you have royal blood. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become spiritual royalty, and you belong at the table as one of the king's sons. Now check this out. You, You have royal blood, and you're destined to sit at a place of honor and highly esteemed, but I don't know when exactly that's gonna happen. See, check this out. Mephibosheth, he was lame in both feet. He never was healed in his feet. He lived out the rest of his life unable to walk. So we'll be restored at the king's table. I don't know when. I don't know when. The past was still there. It's not going to go away. But for Mephibosheth, God healed the pain and made the future better. Maybe you had someone in your life pass away. Someone died in your life. You can't bring them back. But God can heal what you're feeling right now yes. and make your future, make the future better. I don't think Mephibosheth lived the rest of his life at the king's table saying, oh, the first 20 years, from age five to 25 was just terrible. He's at the king's table. How does God do that, really? I mean, that's pretty amazing. Yes, it is. God, God, how does God do that? Number four, the king knows how to bust a move. Yes, he does. The king knows how to bust a move. The king of pop knows how to bust a move. Michael Jackson. Do we have a picture of that? Can we? Yeah, there we go. This is a picture of Michael Jackson busting a move. And if you ever saw a video of that, it was like, if he had glasses on, he's just doing like some normal moves, and then he defies gravity. If he had glasses, you'd do one of, how is he doing that? Amazing. We know now, spoiler alert, secret shoes. Okay, but he just could do this defying gravity thing. He busted a move, and it's like, whoa! The first time, 1983, Michael Jackson, king of pop, he knew how to bust a move. He was the first time in 1983 when Michael Jackson did the famous moonwalk. 
and he's doing his whatever he's doing, and then that's the moonwalk. That's going on YouTube. That was so good. He did the moonwalk, and the crowd went nuts. Whoa, the king just busted a move. God does that in our lives. We're just going through life, and God's just, you know, we're reading our Bible, and we're just praying, and then, what did God just do? The king knows how to bust a move. Here's Mephibosheth, feeling sorry for, your, for himself. Put yourself as Mephibosheth. I'm in Lodabar. I've been wounded by the fall. The king knows how to bust a move. God had whispered to somebody else. God had saw, seen him all those times. And God whispered to somebody else, hey, take care of this guy. The Israelites marched around a town six times. I like to imagine, like, like the military. Imagine a guy with big, huge arms. I mean, he's a, that's his job. It's to fight. And he comes home, and his wife puts his weapons down, and his wife says, Hey, honey, what'd you do today? And he goes, Walked. <laughs> they just walked. On the seventh day, they walked six times. But watch out! The king knows how to bust a move. Walls can come tumbling down. If we just obey, if we just keep going, don't stop on the sixth lap. The king knows how to bust a move. The woman at the well was there minding her own business, not wanting anyone to bug her. Watch out. The king knows how to bust a move. Zacchaeus was up in a tree just hoping just to see Jesus. Who's this guy? I just want to see him. Watch out. He know, come down from that tree. You know Zacchaeus, wee little man. Wee little man, was he? Watch out. The king knows how to bust a move. Daniel was thrown into the lion, lion's den. And moves were busted. Even Jesus, when carrying a cross, fell down under the weight. Even Jesus fell down under the weight. And God busted a move by making sure that right there, there was a Simon of Cyrene. You may fall down under the weight. You've been dropped. You may fall down under the weight of life. But God can whisper at the right moment, not the moment you call, at the moment he calls, God can whisper to a Simon of Cyrene to come into your life and help you get back up. Jesus went on the cross. He was dropped by Father God. Remember the line, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was dropped by God when he took the, the sin of the world upon himself, dropped by God. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus dropped. But watch out. Three days later, busted a move. Yeah. Out he comes. God knows how to do it. Yes, he does. Better than you. Yep. Praise God. Can you bring somebody out of a tomb? I can't. The king knows how to bust a move. You may feel lonely and abandoned. You may feel discouraged. You may feel like you're too far gone. There's no use trying. You may feel dropped by a bad break, a bad firing, an ending, dropped by your own decisions, dropped by the decisions of other people. But take faith because the king sees you. He knows where you are. He can bust a move. 
this story gets even more dramatic. I thought about putting in a sound effect from, what is it, Law and Order? Dun, dun. You know that? From, dun, dun. So everyone, on the count of three, I want us all to do the Law and Order sound effect. One, two, three. Dun, dun. The story gets more dramatic. Second Samuel chapter 16, right? So Mephibosheth is living in the king's house. Second Samuel chapter 16. David is temporarily overthrown from his kingdom. He has to flee because his son Absalom has taken over. Yikes. And Ziba, Mephibosheth's servant, goes out to meet David. And, and, and you know, to help David. And David says, hey, Ziba, where's Mephibosheth? You know, you're the servant of Mephibosheth. Where's Mephibosheth, Ziba? And 2 Samuel chapter 16, verse 3, Ziba said to him, he's staying in Jerusalem because he thinks today the Israelites will restore to me my grandfather Saul's kingdom. <gasps> then the king said to Ziba, fine, all that belonged to Mephibosheth is now yours. For shame. What a jerk. Mephibosheth. Shame on you, Mephibosheth. You had all this grace shown to you, and now you're just trying to to the king? Shame on you. David cuts ties with Mephibosheth and removes all the blessing in Mephibosheth's life, which, as we will see, was too early. Fast forward three chapters. David is now reinstated as the king. Absalom's taking care of. David's the king now. He's returning to Jerusalem to take the throne. And Mephibosheth goes out to meet David at Jerusalem. Imagine what David's thinking. This betrayer. He's coming to me now. And he comes and, and he's dirty. His hair's all matted. He hasn't been taking care of his feet. And he comes out to, to meet David. And, and, and David said, why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? He's probably, you know, ready to give it to him. Why didn't you come with me, Mephibosheth? I showed you grace. Why didn't you, why didn't you come with me and bless me when I had to flee for my life? And Mephibosheth explained, Ziba, my servant, betrayed me. Oh. Okay. He has slandered your servant to my lord, my, the king. My lord, the king, is like an angel of God. Like, you know how to, how to judge. So do whatever you wish. All my grandfather's descendants deserved nothing but death from my lord the king. All of humankind deserves nothing but hell because of our separation from God. But you gave your servant a place among those who eat at your table. So what, is, what right do I have to make any more appeals before the king? Verse 29, the king said to him, why say more? Remember, he has now taken everything away from Mephibosheth, given it to Ziba. The king said to him, why say more? I order you and Ziba to now divide the land. Mephibosheth said to the king, let him take everything. Now that the Lord my king has returned home safely. Number five, grace givers, sorry, grace getters become grace givers. Mephibosheth knew how to give grace because he had received grace. Yes. And he says, you know, and you know, when I read that, I put myself into Mephibosheth's shoes. I wouldn't want to say, let him have everything. I'd be like, half? I 
want all of it back. But Mephibosheth had received grace. He saw the bigger picture. The bigger picture. I'm in the house of the king. I get to live like a king's son. And the king, my protector, my provider, is now back. I don't need any of it. I don't need any of it. I get to be like a king's son. The purpose of our blessedness is to provide blessing to others. He received grace. Why? To give grace. He received it to give it. He was forgiven, but he needed to go forgive. He was blessed and he became a blessing. We need to forgive. Christians, we need to forgive those in our life that have hurt us. They don't have to know. See, the deal about forgiveness, you don't have to have the other person know you forgave them. If you've, there's a famous movie line, I see dead people. Listen, I forgive dead people. You can forgive dead people. Them knowing they were forgiven is irrelevant. Them asking for forgiveness is irrelevant. Forgiveness is about my heart being set free. Whatever they did doesn't have to hold me back or, or be bondage in my life. I can forgive them. Whether or not they're in the same town as me, whether or not they're in the same country as me, whether or not they're even living, I can forgive because forgiveness isn't about them. It's about me and the hold they have on my life. Grace getters become grace givers. Would you stand with me? There's two types of there's two appeals I want to make to you today. Two people, two things I want to pray for. The first is for those who realize they're in Lodabar. They're far from God. Maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus in your life. Today's your day. Maybe you um, have made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've fallen back. There was a day in your life where you were following the Lord more closely than you are today. You were dropped. It's okay. This story in the Bible of somebody being dropped is there so we know what happens when you, when you drop. You were dropped. You didn't go down by yourself. You're not going to come up by yourself. The Lord was with you and he's with you now. And I want to give you an opportunity this morning to say, yeah, I want to come home. I want to come home. I'm there was a time where I was closer to Jesus than I, than I am right now. I was closer to the king at one point, but now I'm in no place. Now I'm far. I'm discouraged. I'm wounded. I'm hurting. I want to come home. I want to come home. Whether this is the first time you're making that decision or another one, I encourage you to lift your hand to the Lord right now. One, two, three. If you, you want to come home. I want to come home. If you're watching online, you can click the button in the chat right now. I want to come home. Lord, I pray right now for every hand raised that wants to come home. Lord, those of us with our hands up are, are confessing our sins. Lord, we know, say this in your heart, if 
heart if your, your hand is up. I, I know I'm a sinner. I want to repent. I want to follow you. I believe that you made a way. You absorbed the blow to welcome me home. Let me come home, Lord. I want to be closer. I want to follow you more. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The other group I want to pray for is people that believe they need help being a grace giver. What Mephibosheth did at the end of that story, heck, what David did, welcoming in the grandson of Saul, that had to be hard. Any, David's courts could have said, hey, this is, a, this is grandson of Saul. Remember, Saul's pretty cool. He took a risk. And then for Mephibosheth to realize that and turn around and pass that grace on to others took guts. But I think that's a great model for the way we are to live. Jesus said, if you want to be set free, you need to forgive others. I want the church free, which is why I'm bringing this to us. If you want free, you got to forgive others. But that's hard. We need the Lord's help. If you need the Lord's help, you say, yeah, God, I want help being a grace giver. I'm going to count to three. Would you lift your hand? If you're in the chat, you can tap the button there as well. One, two, three. I need the Lord's help being a grace giver. Lord, I pray for the hands that are up right now. We want to be grace givers. We thank you for the grace that you've put into our life. But Lord, we've been wounded by somebody. Somebody did something. Something happened and we're just mad. But Lord, we want to surrender it to you. Lord, I pray that we would fully realize the grace that has come into our lives so we can pass it on. Let us be free of the bondage in our life of bitterness. Lord, we surrender to you. We forgive. We choose today to forgive and give grace to those who have hurt us. We pray it in Jesus' name.